0: Welcome to Rutten Radio. Rutten Radio is a monthly podcast. We bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rutten Brothers. Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary Church in Sioux Falls. Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg. And Joe Rutten, professor and director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun.
1: Good morning, Rockstars! If you're out there listening, this is Rutten Radio coming at you live, kind of, from <laughs> Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm joined, as always, on Rutten Radio by my brothers Rutten, the priests, Father John Rutten and Father Paul Rutten, here on Real Presence Radio. How we doing, fellas? Doing good. Doing good. Don't. Doing Get great. too excited. you excited over there, too? What's up? You are excited. Me. All right. Well, you're here always, we go. Well, we've got our exciting. monthly radio show here, Rutten Radio, and uh, we're excited to be with you here. It's December, and uh, well, we're just moving right along. The year, here's 2019, just
2: 2019. Uh, just close. 2020. Coming to close. So yeah. 2020, we've got a great, Everybody's great... going to
3: start seeing better. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh <laughs> uh,
1: Lord
3: have mercy. Is this the year of Christ the ophthalmologist? Have Lord have mercy.
1: <laughs> Lord Christ have mercy.
3: Oh yeah. Haven't you already seen different companies? Uh, uh-uh.
1: 2020 vision.
3: plan? <laughs> no, I, Oh yeah. Not. I've already seen one. I was like, uh-huh. Oh man, they beat me to it. And I was like, man, it's going to be so common. It's going to be right. n- anybody that has, it,
1: it's going to no longer something yeah. special. Yeah. yeah. All right. People are gonna well, start uh, seeing better. Well, brothers, Rutten, we're uh, here at real presence radio. If you're out there listening from coast to coast, uh, we're grateful to have you. You can join us in your social media platforms. You can follow us on Facebook and uh, make comments if you wish and uh, interact with us there. We also have all of our archived uh, programs that you can watch from behind uh, from previous, but we're excited to be here with you. It's December. Fellas, what have you been up to?
3: Well, kind of walking the journey of mom's passing and uh, it's, you know, yeah, some days, are on some days are off you so yeah so it's like you just kind of i don't know it's a good time to discern what's really important in life
1: (laughs) so uh our facebook Rutten radio followers if you're not out there like Rutten radio on facebook um and then some of our personal (laughs) uh, followers um if you didn't know our mother monica who was one of the co-hosts at once was a co-host she was the most famous host here right we had to not let her come back because we would have lost our (laughs) radio show she was so popular Uh, i didn't want to get trumped i didn't want to lose my uh my seat Um,
3: yeah i I understood david letterman better right
1: right right right. his mother that's right so uh monica rutten passed away uh here a couple of weeks ago and uh so with that obviously it's something that just doesn't go away no so father paul what have you been up to other than obviously mourning and uh, yeah. thinking about mom?
4: Uh, trying to find balance in everything. You know, it, it just is one of those things. There's just always something. And I think this is, you know, the this whole season, I, I mean, I really be, have begun to hear more and more people not getting excited because it's just so much. You know, I mean, Christmas stuff started before Halloween, you know, and you just, you are know, like, is this what it's really about? So like you were talking, like, what's really... What, what really matters? What what should this all be about? Can we dare say not do some of the things that we always do uh, during the season leading up to Christmas that is Christmas for Christmas forever? Uh, so just, just again, trying to figure it all out and
1: be thankful and grateful
4: for the things that we have.
2: Right, you know? right.
1: So, right. so I, yeah. I'll, uh, a little... Insight into where I've been for about I don't know three four months maybe even longer. Patience has been the thing that has been the Lord's been drilling on me, and then I will get to a point and be like, "Got it, all right," you know, moved on. N- next thing, gratitude or something. I'm always trying to pick up something different, <laughs> you know, and then uh, the Lord like quickly brings me back and reminds me, "No, Joe, it's still patience. You, st- you still don't I haven't yeah, figured yeah, this yeah.
2: out." <laughs> right. Be patient. So
1: right, so I'm at Mass a couple of weeks ago. Morning mass, 635 at the cathedral. It's a small group there, but everybody knows each other. And there's one lady that leaves early right after communion. She must have to get to work or something. So she's always, and I'm in the back and she walks by and then she kind of curls back. And I think she's going to give me condolences for mom or something like that. You know, it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and she says, you're so patient. And I thought to myself, and she just turned around and kept walking. Oh, I'm like, man. no, that did <laughs> not just happen. Yeah. And it's like, those are the things. And Father's homily was on awareness, Ooh. being aware of the presence of Christ in miracles, but not miracles that are always extraordinary, but very ordinary ways. And I'm thinking, oh, and then that happened at the end of mass. And I'm just like, oh, so I'm just working on awareness, uh, still working on patience, though. And uh, yep, so the Lord's beautiful. He's been working in my life. It's been great. Now, the magic of rut and radio here is that we jump in and we kind of have a faith and culture conversation that flows out of a movie of the month. And... The movie of the month here is fantastic. I think it's going to allow a a lot of great conversation to be developed. Uh, Any disclaimers? Uh, 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 Father Paul, you can kind of do that as we jump into the movie review. But right out of the shoots, the movie is The Pursuit Pursuit of of Happiness Happiness. with Will Smith. So The Pursuit of Happiness. Any disclaimers? I don't know.
3: Not really. I mean, there was a bad word. Um, <laughs> that was some bad work compared to yeah, there, compared to uh, Manchester by the Sea, <laughs> which there yeah, man, Manchester a by the word, sea like
4: it is rated PG thirteen. Uh, but no, I mean, no, it's, I think some movies for yeah, it's yeah. for I mean, everybody.
1: Yeah. right right. So, uh, an overview, Father Paul, you want to kind yeah. of walk us into this so thing?
4: It's again based on a true story, which always makes me wonder, like, what was true when they say based on? But uh, a man named Christopher Gardner. Uh, he had invested in a bone density scanner, uh, and then he has to sell them all. And it was a debacle. Uh, and so he's got himself sort of trapped in this, having to sell, um, all these things, uh, and it's not going well. So he's struggling to make ends meet. His wife is working two shifts and, uh, she's struggling to make ends meet. They've got a boy, uh, and she ends up leaving him. Uh, he loses his apartment Uh, They end up living on the streets. Uh, He's still trying to get rid of these bone density scanners scanners. (laughs) and then realizes that he wants to be a stockbroker because it may be the way out. Uh, And then thus it's the movie. He's trying to get through the stockbroker course to be possibly selected to get a job uh, and still trying to keep everything together. It's really quite a, quite a movie in many
2: ways. Right, right,
4: right. Takes place in San Francisco. So, you know, you see a lot of San Francisco, the homelessness
1: and all of those things. Um, yeah. So. And um, he's African-American. I don't really think that plays out in the movie at all. So I don't think there's any rate, you know, there's not, but it's, uh, there is a poverty conversation. Like, you know, that's a sure. component to the whole thing. Uh, one point is oh, throughout the movies day-to-day trying to really find a place yep. to sleep and how to care for his kid and not lose his kid and all those things. So uh, my first initial impression of the movie was that it was slow. Like I kind of thought, well, all right. I wanted it. like I wanted the thing to happen, right? Oh, right. I, boom, <laughs> you know, here it is. And it just slowly happened. <laughs> then I got to the patience. end and it like, well, that's <laughs> patience. Lord
2: have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy.
1: So I just thought that it was much more appropriate actually to life. Yeah. That this isn't a crescendo. This isn't like the Hollywood ending. No, this is just day to day, baby, plotting it out, doing your best. Sometimes it's survival mode. Sometimes you're flourishing. Sometimes you're, you know, and just, I thought that the movie was very human and it was a very normal experience for lots of people uh to
2: have so
3: what they showed was that life happens in segments and yep. so they kept doing it it didn't have a flash moment but it had transitions so and he kept labeling them this is the time of my life for the bus stop yep. this is the time of my life of running this being is the stupid. time of my life of being stupid this is the time and i thought that was really Indicative when when I saw that, and then even thinking about mom passing away, and and her, you know their life and our family, um, there are segments, there are stages of life in which things are certain ways, yeah. um, and how important it is that people know that. I mean, in a way, like we've lost the community that just carried the story along, and so we now live in a time in which we really don't know the stories of people. We meet them when we move into a neighborhood, but nobody really stays in a neighborhood that long anymore. You might meet, you meet families through sports, but you don't really get to know deeply. You don't know the story anymore. And so you have a perception. Remember when, so there's a scene where in the beginning where, well, not in the beginning, but when he goes to that stock, the, the firm and all those people are coming out and they all look so happy. Right. And he's, he's struck. He's like, they're all so happy. And that's the thing that begins to drive him. Right. And it's like, well, I, I remember living in Chicago and you, you come out of that office building, 500 North Michigan Avenue uh, with a certain pep in your step. You arrive on the train in the morning with a certain eagerness. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember going into that building and going up to the 12th floor and going into that office. I had a window that overlooked Michigan Avenue. I could see the Tribune Foundation building. uh, And I sat down in my seat and I looked really happy. But do you know what I said inside my head? I have arrived. Like the power that moved me, was not a power that sort of builds community or makes me happy or fulfills me in the long run? It was good for the time, but in a sense, he saw a portion of people's lives. And in a way, this movie showed the full dynamic of somebody's life because there are segments, there are times in which someone needs to know, oh, this is going to pass. My life isn't going to be one in which I'm struggling to pay my bills all the time. Uh, Or when life is really good, you know, you kind of need to be reminded that this could pass. And and in a heartbeat, you could be in a very different uh, situation, family wise or career wise or financial wise. Uh, So I thought it did a good job of, of telling a story of a person's life and really brought out that need that we become more comfortable again, we realize that we don't live in the communities that carry the full story to us anymore. We live in communities and on Facebook in a way in which only a certain kind of perception comes to us. And we think everybody else has the good stuff and we're missing out. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that I think is why maybe people Enjoy or appreciate Rotten Radio so much, or the story of our life is there's kind of there's so many of us, and there's so many dynamics, and there's so many funny stories. But you have to tell the terrible thing before the funny thing <laughs> makes sense. And so people see, oh my gosh, these people are normal. And I had a text message from somebody uh, right after Mom passed away, and I I I'll maybe find it and bring it up again later. But they said something like, uh, you know, your parents like lived a holiness or something. But they said they they, well, now I'm going to forget it. But basically they were saying, as your parents live something very human and normal, uh, but I think that's the thing that is actually holy. And I think that's true. Uh, and a lot of people sort of check themselves out or think this isn't for them. And I'm like, if you only understood, <laughs> it's like crazy. Well, you look at this story and you think, this guy's story has to resonate with so many people.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that ability to connect um, to standing in line for a bed. Yeah. Right. I We've worked at the banquets and all over the world. I mean, Paul, you probably had, even when you studied in Europe, you might've even had a mission to, pour, you know, I don't know what your mission sure. was, but I had a mission to uh, the missionaries of Charity's men's house, in Rome when I studied abroad and you know, here you are missioning to this and they're the exact same. They just don't speak English, right? It's an Italian elderly man who has nobody to care for him. And here I am helping bathe him and feed him and minister to be present to him. And I'm like, you know what? This could have been my uncle. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, this was my uncle just back in another country, you know, And that ability to watch that movie and to be like, you know what? I've got un- uncles that could have been in breadlines, could have been looking for homeless shelter. Did what the? What am I talking about? Did Right. you know? In that reality, that just says, "Wait a minute, here. All right, what does this mean, and what is this, in the big picture of what it means to live a good life, right. and a fulfilled life, and to have meaning and purpose? Like is, mm. and I just thought, wow, you know, do I do I even understand? what's at the heart of happiness and living a good life.
4: Right, And I think that's the whole crux of the movie is he quotes Thomas Jefferson. We have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And he said, why did he say pursuit? Is it because we'll never get it? Uh, And this real, which is important. Like we're we're guaranteed life and liberty, but we're not guaranteed happiness. Only... The pursuit, you have the right to pursue it. Will we achieve it? And again, so for me, as I watched this movie, I just kept thinking about this real reality, like he's pursuing happiness, but is the direction he's moving going to give him what he's looking for? Like, will he really find happiness now that he gets the things that he thinks he needs, you know? Uh, as he looks at people that seem happy, he wants those things because they're going to make him happy. But but even, you know, that quote made me wonder, did he, did he ever really find happiness? Because the movie doesn't say. no, And that's what I found really, you know, and maybe it's too early to, end, to talk about the end of the movie. But I did find it interesting. It just ends with, like, telling us how much money he made. But we never see him we never see if he's happy. We never see if he, his wife comes back like this real question. Like, was he really happy? Like, did he find the happiness he was looking for?
2: I,
3: I, I think this is a, a great, uh, part of the movie is there's this conflict that's going on where, and I don't know much about the producers or the directors or whatever, but there's a conflict going on where he keeps poking at this idea of pursuing happiness. And, um, at whatever point did did they say happiness isn't possible or something? There was. He says
4: maybe it's not. Maybe it's and not that's possible. That's why he said
3: pursue. Yes, because you'll never get it. So when that thing happened, I thought, ah, ah, this is the difficulty. Is we we have inside us this thing that says it should be possible. That's mm-hmm. why we pursue it because we're creating a way to like go for it, mm-hmm. but the world people, circumstances sort of squelch that in us. Eventually, a lot of people right. get it squelched in us and you can see that in different ways throughout this movie that that happened. But in a way, like he has set his mind on how that happiness is going to happen. And this is possibly the problem. It's not that happiness is impossible. He thinks you have to go pursue it. Right. The American dream is you go pursue happiness. Well. Interestingly enough, the Christian dream is, in your pursuit, you're going to discover something given. The Christian proclamation is happiness is something you run into that you didn't produce. And so it's not that you don't go pursuing, but um, if you're too certain you know the source of where that happiness is going to come from, when it arrives, you just go by it. And and you miss the thing that actually was bringing what you're looking for. And I saw this distinction between the children, and the other movie we reviewed some time ago, The Greatest Showman. That the the guy, uh, the the circus guy in The Greatest Showman, when he was. In down, dire strait and poverty, he saw in his kids something—or the—I'm the, sorry—the wife. Right, the wife saw something in his kids that was already there. Will Smith, the character of Will Smith, had a beautiful son and a great relationship. Happiness was already in the kid, and mm-hmm. actually, in the beginning, he said, "Yeah, I'm happy too." Yeah. And so it's like, well, maybe you're ruining happiness because you're pursuing something, and it doesn't mean he shouldn't pursue it. But you have to begin from the fact that I already have the thing I want. And I think what he revealed in that was the son really did have happiness. He didn't. Right. The dad didn't. Right.
1: Yeah, I think there's uh, two things. One, I don't want to nitpick. I can, you know, allow the thing to be what it is and appreciate. What it's trying to tell me. And at the same time, I was challenged because I would never, ever, ever show that video to my students as a way to pursue happiness because because all it is is the glorification of success through work and i know that that's actually the problem particularly for men is that is the pitfall that's the divided life they think that the end of all things is money and wealth is right. the car he right. envied the car he wanted the box suite at the 49ers game this was his under- materialism well all 2500 years ago the classics aristotle would tell us that wealth and power and honor and privilege are not the ends that one ought to pursue to live a good life. And so I was like, I love the movie. It had a good theme. We can learn lots of lessons. If I was actually to show it to students as a true educational tool, I would use it in the negative. And I would say what the story does not tell us is the end. And then what I would have done then is I would have begin running clips of JP Morgan, the true JP Morgan, who lived a terrible life at the end. These great Rockefeller and all these great barons of America, most of them died very poor lives. Personally, they might've even had wealth, but they lived terrible lives at the end. They did not achieve the thing that this movie says actually will bring you happiness. And that's my, that was my challenge. I loved it, appreciated it. But at the same time said, wait a minute, what I wouldn't tell any of my kids to do is go pursue being a millionaire for you to be happy, I'm not against chasing and being yeah. successful, but
4: but don't you think that that was that was the thing that why he said we're only guaranteed the pursuit mm-hmm. uh, is because I think if we're honest, he would say you're right. My story doesn't. Hmm. I don't know that. Then this is the, this was the sort of thing. Like there was no pictures. There was no pictures of them after this moment. You know, almost every true story will sort of show you like something later.
3: Oh, uh, you, oh, so what Father Paul is saying is this is a true story. Right. And at the end of true stories that are kind of based on, they always show the picture of their real faces and they say, so-and-so went on to be yeah. a chiropractor. Or... Right.
4: And so they just simply said, he made millions, millions of dollars. There's no, but we don't see in Like, so I'm like, Okay, well, maybe he doesn't want anybody to know who he was. I don't, you know, I don't know. But I just felt like I think you're right, Joe. I, maybe he doesn't want
1: his story to be used. And you know, some sometimes I've I got to the end, and then what I didn't do is go research it. And so you know, that'll be fun. Now we sure. can go. If you're out there listening, go research this thing. You know, go 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 do the investigative work. Come back, find out what that real story is, and what maybe maybe faith had a place in his life, and Will Smith or the producers chose not to to have that as a part of it or I'm very, very fascinated now to dig more into this man's life and to what really animated him and what the connection between the real story and the movie is. I was very uh, inspired. It made me, it was, I wanted to be a better person after watching the movie. As I thought about it from an educator standpoint, I thought I would only show this in the negative as the thing for which I would tell somebody, don't seek these things as the sole goal or end, if you want happiness. Wealth in and of itself, fine. Being successful in business, great. Excellence. But if that's where you think your happiness is going to be found, you're probably going to
4: be left disappointed. All right, not to poke the bear, but shouldn't your job as the educator be not to tell them that? You, but to just you show and Jason
1: it. Heron should hang out often and and see
4: if they ask this question to see if they pick up because that's right. the whole thing. Like as I was watching the movie, I just kept thinking, "Am I reading into this? Am I looking at this in a way?" You know, it, 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 this idea for me was, "Am I missing something?" Because I really felt like faith really wasn't part of his life. The only time we see anything faith based is when he's at the one shelter, and they sort of have their prayer service and the choir singing. And like that was really the only, there was right. no prayer. I mean, they, no, not that he didn't have a faith life. Um, the other thing I think that was important in this was he, he was so determined that he would never let his son go because of how he was raised without the father. And I almost at one point wondered if that couldn't have been a detriment. Mm-hmm. Like, could he have oh, let the... Let his son, Chris, go with the wife for a period of time and then achieve what he needed to achieve and bring him back.
1: Well, I thought that this is uh, this is we've got, what, two, three minutes left. So kind of a final comment wrapping up. Yeah, I thought that
3: was interesting. Uh, A dynamic of this was Truth the way truth walks someone forward. And there were always these little moments where he either could tell the truth or he could tell a lie. The interview. And, and... The interview was so classic. And I thought he's going to lie. He's going to lie. And he tells the truth. Right. And, it, and I think this is the thing that I go back to what I was saying earlier sure. is people are looking for the truth. And and maybe they don't want the truth, but that's the thing that sets us free. And it's not the truth as in like the full story, but like what is the honest reason you're here. And I just think of the moment when I sobered up one time, I was trying to figure out how to tell people I needed space and I didn't want to do something. And someone called and asked me and I lied to him about what I was doing. I remember vividly, the couch was green and I was at the house on Hawthorne Avenue and I, the phone was on my chest and I picked it up. I lied to him and then I hung up. Right. And I'm trying to stay sober. And I'm like, you can't live this way. And so I picked it up and I called him back and I said, this might make no sense to you, but I'm actually, uh, I, I'm not doing the thing I was saying. And I said, I just don't want to do anything. I'm laying here on the couch and I'm not moving. Oh, okay. And I hung the phone up. Right. You know, like those stupid things that, you, that we do, everybody does these things, I think. They get us into so much more complexity.
1: And I thought right. that
3: here you could see, just say the truth.
1: Right. But it's not just good for the other it's, it's not. that's what you. I'm talking about. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. good for you. It's right. like,
3: that's what I need. Oh, I see. I was yeah, leading with said, it's good for the yeah, other. No, it's, it's good, good for, for me uh, to to live this way. And so right. I think that's the case with that, with the wife. If he would have just been living honestly, I need help. You do this. Yep. And instead he has to make it himself. And then he ruins the thing.
1: Right, right, right. That's a great, great point. Uh, a minute left here, Father Paul, as we wrap up the first half hour of Rutten Radio talking about the pursuit of... Of happiness. Absolutely. Uh, again,
4: it's worth watching. You know, the Rubik's Cube. That was one of my hey. favorites, I have to say. Hey.
3: I thought hey. of you.
1: The Rubik's Cube. <laughs> oh, my smart brother. Oh, I love the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> the, uh, and it's back. I know. The Rubik's Cube is back everything from when we no were kids back. Yeah. Oh it's yeah, back. and they've I got have, like
3: five different bigger, versions and they're bigger yeah, and they're for I like the Oh,
1: of course, bigger, better, more. Oh the yeah, they got hey. tons of so. deals. And. Well, when they uh when they come back with the the superstar version of uh <laughs> Light Brights, you know, <laughs> let me know. I want a Light Bright room. <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> we have Light Brights. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, but I think room, it's time.
1: well, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We're here in the first half hour. Uh, support our sponsors as we take this short break and stick with us because we'll be right
0: back you're listening to rutton radio on the rpr network don't go anywhere we'll be back with more of the rutton brothers after these messages
5: my name is carol Orrin, and i'm from sioux Falls, south dakota My daughter, Tara, is attending Mount Marty College. The thing that I really love is that whether you're in sports or not, it's like a family. Everyone cares for every sport, for every athlete, for every student. They also do fun activities. The community as a whole in Yankton, as far as giving discounts to the students, really making them feel welcome and makes them feel a part of their community. Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College.
7: My name is Brad List. I'm the father of Nathan List. He started at Mount Marty in 2016. This is a gem underneath their nose that most kids in Yankton don't even realize is there. They don't understand what Mount Marty offers as a school. They offer as helping plan for your future. For example, they're helping Nathan with internships. They're, you know, looking at what kind of jobs can you get. It's good to be close to home. You don't have to come home, but you know it's always there.
3: Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College.
0: This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now, back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers. Welcome back to
1: Rutten Radio. We're uh, joined here with our rock star brothers, the priests, Father John, Father Paul, and your host, I guess we're all kind of hosts, Joe Rutten on Real Presence Radio. And we've been talking about the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. And in the second half hour, we kind of take themes from the first half hour conversation of culture and we we thread them into uh, conversations here in the second half hour. And you know what, fellas? I was reading something here and it just made me think, you know what? Maybe we just need to talk about mom. So we lost mom last week, last month. And uh, there's something in here I, I just quick on the, on the commercial there, pulled up something on the real life story of Chris Gardner from, from the movie. And here's what it says about his pursuit of wealth, of money. It says that he attributes his motivation for success from one defining moment in his childhood. He was 16 years old and he was watching an NCAA basketball game. And the announcer said about two players, Artis Gilmore, one of them, for those listening, uh, Chris said to himself, wow, one day those guys are going to make a million dollars. And his mom said to him, son, if you want to, one day you could make a million dollars. It says he absorbed her words which stuck with him through the decades that followed. And I thought, you know what? I'd be interested to know what words mom said that stuck with you, that you absorbed as you reflect upon this magnificent life that is Monica Rutten.
7: The
3: words that will always come first is when I went to the seminary, she said, when I told her that I was going to the seminary, which was a shocker to me, not to her though. And she said, I remember going up the stairs at 732 West 8th Street and she was was living in that bedroom right to the left. um, Or she, that was her bedroom was right to the left, that big one. Faced prairie, and she said, I told her this, and she said, um, When we were down in Sioux City, sister I think it was Breeze McKenna, maybe, or these nuns, whatever, and maybe it was Omaha, but I think it was Sioux City, these nuns came and we went down there. I think Annie, Annie was maybe with her, and whoever, and she said, and and they told me, they said that your sons are going to preach the gospel all throughout the world. Really and I thought to myself, what are you talking about? I'm like, mom, I just told you I was going to the seminary. I'm not, I don't know what you, this is the last thing I want to do, let alone like hear that you think I'm supposed to like start running around the globe or something. And it just stuck with me. Um and it was a couple of, of things that sort of it came about was um, when we actually moved mom into Prince of Peace Nursing Home, the day we moved her in, Shelly had been asking me about putting my homilies online. I was a priest down in Yankton and I was like, would you, you know no, no, no. I'm not doing that because I have this image of this priest with like the microphone lavalier. Would you do being what? Like put, put your, your homilies, homilies online. online. And, and I just like, all I could think of is this like totally, I don't know. I have this image of the priest who's like, look at me, you know? And I'm like, I'm not putting my homilies online. Well, when we moved mom, the day we moved her in and we found out she was within I won't tell the whole story, but like the fact she could move into Prince of Peace was a miracle. And yep. God showed himself so clearly. And we left this meeting and Shelly again said something about my homilies being online. And I was like, no. And she said, stop being so selfish. She probably didn't say like that, but, mm-hmm. and I was like, what? Selfish. <laughs> this has nothing to do with being selfish. This has to do with being self-centered. I don't want to be self-centered. And I, She said, you know, not all of us get the benefit of hearing a homily that helps us all the time. Stop being so selfish. Mm. Wow! And I said, okay, this is the compromise. If I'm ever sent to a parish and they record their homilies, I will not stop recording. And so then my homilies will be available online, but I'm not going to start doing it on my own. And within a year... Bishop Swain asked me if I would become the pastor at St. Lambert. And when I left his house from when he asked me, the first thing I did was I was walking out and I looked online to see if St. Lambert's (laughs) recorded their homilies. And they did. And And they do. And I was so moved and I thought, and then mom's words came back to me. Your sons will preach the gospel all throughout the world. Right. And the second time it happened was we did these Easter, we did these Lenten videos oh, at yeah. St. Lambert the first year I was there with Brian Cooper and you can see the analytics of them. And these videos were not, we never planned them, but 20,000 people throughout the world, watch these videos. And when Brian Cooper pulled up the map to see where the people listened, it was all over the world. All I could do was think your son's, we <laughs> preach the gospel
1: throughout the world. Didn't have the technology that we uh, do today when she made the yeah. prophecy either, did we? No. <laughs> did yeah, because you would have
3: gone... Around the world
1: to preach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you rut had, and radio.
3: I mean, that's yeah. just me. And then rut and radio. And I fought this thing tooth and nail. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: We still so sometimes fight. Those, are, those tooth are words and nail. that mom, uh, keeps oh, coming well, back to beautiful. me. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Father Paul, what do you got? Words that kind of resonate stick with you. Uh
4: this is one. that it, it's true. Uh and it's true on many levels. Because I love him more than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <She>? <laughs> so we were at Hardee's. Uh, and my mother said, you can get whatever you want. To go to Hardee's was a big right. deal. So I got the biggest cup of pop. And one of my brothers who remain nameless looked at it and said, what? Why did I get that? And she just turned and looked at me and said, because I love him more than you. And this woman next to her about died. And I thought it's true. But I could just now like, think about like poor mother. She said, get whatever you want. And then you didn't get what you wanted and you complained. So, but I'm like, well, she said it and I heard it. So it's the only time that she's ever said that, but I never forgot mm. uh, it. I'll remember standing in line at Hardee's. It was a moment. So anyways,
3: I think, I think we all without any disagreement, would say that's probably true. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: maybe yeah. not all eight of us would, but you know, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. willing There's
1: to a throw a lot your way. Speaking of lots. <laughs> uh, we should oh,
3: tell Lord, Lord. Do you have
2: anything more you want
3: to? Uh, so that would be my, yeah.
4: be my one reality that she loved me the most.
1: Uh, that's great.
4: But in that context, that I think in one sense, maybe for me with her, I had the freedom to take her serious. Like if she said that, mm. then she meant it. Like, mm. get whatever you want. And I would just get it. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I was the favorite, but because whenever she said something, she really did mean it. And so I just did it. Whereas sometimes people say things and you don't think they really mean it. And then you're like, well, did they really mean get whatever you want? Blah, blah, blah.
1: So I think for me as a kid, I just, well, mom said so. hmm why not? But so. yeah, so I, I'm in a you know I don't know there's it's uh, I got all kinds of things but the the one thing just that does jump out to me immediately um, is her sense of humor and her, I mean, she, she just was funny. Yeah. And so I think I'll just tell the story, right? So that you're getting everything ready and you know, all the stuff that it takes after somebody passes and the last thing, like we did, we read the will last, like we didn't even know. So we're reading, we, all right, Father Paul John, you know, should we read, the, should we actually read the will just to make sure that <laughs> is what we we thought, we, you know, what we already did. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, Oh yeah, all right. So you know, Father Paul, I think did you start reading it? Read it. Yeah, I did. start reading it? Father John start reading yeah. it, yeah. yeah. And uh, so as you get you, you you can tell it, I guess, but you get to the end of the thing, and it's talking about dividing up the estate, right? Whatever she has, right? Yeah. <laughs> whatever she's going to have left, nine portions with a portion to the church. Yeah.
3: So you have the the two documents. You have the power of health care, whatever, right. and you have the will. And so the power of health care was a for a certain stage, and it didn't seem necessary to read the will. You know, that doesn't yeah, well, So we get to the will eventually after we've already cleaned out our room, we've already divided all the things, we had the bins, and, you know. And she doesn't
1: really have a bank account to clean out. So no, we're not she's looking just to divide this yeah. one room at Prince of Peace nursing home, <laughs> you know, stuff <laughs> with stuff. So we're not gonna divide up a whole, but a whole estate are,
3: There are meaningful things there. Right. And there's sort of you know uh, So in the document So in the document it says that you will divide the belongings um, among the Kids. children and something like, you know, if somebody wants something, they should get it. And um, and then it says, if there is a disagreement among the children who both want one thing, the decision will be made by casting
1: lots. <laughs> casting, <laughs> lots. casting lots. I thought when I read it, what <laughs> who would put it that way mom, so mom, uh, yeah so mom, we we yeah. uh we're still waiting for the item to come along that we got to cast lots for I, I think we should have one just to do they it. did oh did the five dollar get- bill oh, did you see I that not- they found five dollars i was no i was not involved. i was Does, not, not involved we're all nine children present when those <laughs> lots were cast i don't think so <laughs> all right well let's go so uh anyway yeah, that for me was just her sense of humor. Um you she know was super I don't know what resonated with mom for me was not what she said it was what she did. And you know we had you know the old saying was is that it was her hotel right right that anybody could stay there and anybody did. I mean <laughs> um yeah. and I I I don't know that that's rare necessarily, but I don't see it happening a lot today where people, I don't know if it happened a lot back then. I do know at one point people used to have borders a lot, right? That used to historically be something, but Uh, uh, we just always had people
4: in the house. I think the difference was the way in which you were treated when you stayed there. You know, remember those people that that came to town and they needed to stay at our house. They were missionaries or something. Right. And they said, you know, we've stayed in an incredibly beautiful wealthy homes, but we've never been treated this way with this love. Like, like it was just this compassion. Like we were one of the family and like, so I think for me, that would be the difference, you know, or like my friend Sheila, when she stayed, you know, same thing. Like the rest of us were like, well, here's a room if you want it, whatever. Mom's like making sure that everyone has everything they need and oh honey. And, you know, so I think for me, it would be more than just, That you could stay there, but that she was really grateful that you were there
1: staying with her. I don't know if, like, I never really remember, Mom, this is probably just my experience, right, preaching to me, like, see Christ in other people, Joe. Oh, no, she just did. She just did it. She just did. Right. And that's even dad. Mom and dad seemed to be that way. I never really felt like they proselytized or like evangelized like we would think about today, like evangelization and catechesis. But they were involved in prayer groups and they they led their family in prayer. And but they just lived this thing. Right. As broken Mm -hmm. as they were. It wasn't always perfect. Sometimes we did it better than others. And I just think that what sticks with me is this that I now look back and I make decisions based upon what I recall and remember from what they did previously. And it's not just them. I was with Tom one time and we were driving down the street in the truck and I was in high school maybe, and he would have been a little bit older, but, and we were driving down Western Avenue, 37th street and an elderly gentleman on a bicycle that had groceries had tipped over and we saw it, and of what's, of course, what's Tom do? He stops. Yeah, you pull over, you jump out, you help the guy, right? Like, of course, what else are you supposed to do? Well, lots of people wouldn't stop. Right, he gets out. You don't just help him up. What do you do? You throw him in the truck. You put his bicycle in the back of the truck. And you, where are we going? Right, and we go. We take him home, and. When I was in college, I just remember like, that as a defining moment. I think, well, why does Tom do that? Well, why do I do what I do? I'm not always perfect, and I'm not virtue signaling. I'm just saying, uh-huh. in this thing, like, of course that's what you do. But what I take for granted is what mom and St- dad instilled in us by how they lived. And then you get out there, and you realize not everybody thinks and lives the same way. And that's what sticks with me the most. Sure. I only laughed because one time I was left as collateral
4: at a gas station because Tom didn't have any money and he had filled up the truck with gas mm-hmm. and so he left me and he's like, "Here's my brother, I'll come back for him." And I'm like, "Really? Like I'm going to be collateral?" It was like, "Well, what else are you supposed to do?" I mean, there literally was nothing else to do, so he just left me. He came back for me. I mean, he didn't come back for me. Um, But I I do. You're right. I mean, this just you just do what you need to do um, because it's the thing to do. And you don't really. The other thing I think for me would be you you don't need to be patted on the back or an an award given. Like you just do it. You know, like. So sometimes I forget to you know pat people on the back, but I'm like, well, it's the right thing to do. That's just what you do.
3: Yeah, Uh, I and and uh, (sighs) there. I've been seeing how, like, to, I think, I think this, uh, maybe this isn't necessary to say, but I always think it's important to say that, like, this was also out of brokenness. Right. So, like, part of the reason that all of this was possible is because mom was home and didn't go very many places. And so she needed like that was her way that people came, you know, she cared sure. for people that they came to her um, mm-hmm. and that there was like God used her brokenness in that place that she couldn't get out, that she had mental illness, that she struggled with life in a lot of mm-hmm. ways right. was, was her means with which she had this huge desire open to whoever came and so they received the fruit of that and the reason i think that's important is because people can be thinking now i gotta like get holy and get better and i gotta open myself to people no right. like you just like keep praying keep looking what, what is god doing in you where are you where are you being used um and mom was being used in the thing that she probably liked the least um and even at the nursing home she couldn't go anywhere right Mom couldn't drive for a long time right. in the last 10 years of her life. Yeah. And she would have loved to be all over the place, doing things downtown, buying things, going to
1: grandkids. Like That's why she when, called everybody so, so yeah. much. Yeah. And instead she
3: was there trying to call us and do those things. But then she was there. And that old man at the nursing home, when he said he came when we were clearing his stuff out and said, what's going on? Where, what ha- Where is she? And, and I said, Oh, you don't know. She passed away. And he was so sad. Sad, like the the lady at the the bank inside the nursing home cried. Like people, mom listened. The, the to lady at Aunt Esther's. The lady at Aunt Esther's. Where Aunt Esther passes away, so our aunt also passes away on Dad's side. We go over there to bless her before she's taken away. And the the hospice nurse that's there starts talking about mom. Uh, I go up to the hospital yeah. to anoint somebody. Um, I went to see that man Emmanuel again next door to mom and I'm there. And then somebody else wants to be anointed. I go into the hospital room and the people then that come in start talking about mom and not the person that's in the bed. (laughs) Like, so, so she was available for people to speak to every, she she would listen to anybody. But the reason that she was in that place is because she couldn't get out or she wouldn't have been available. And the gift of people who are present, um, and the gift that we have wounds that God uses somehow.
1: Well, you're listening to Real Presence Radio here, and this is Rutten Radio with Father John Rutten, Father Paul Rutten, and myself, Joe. Um, just having a little conversation about our mother who passed away last month. Uh, the movie of the month here in Rutten Radio was the pursuit of happiness. And we were just sharing some stories about mom and things that she had said and things that resonated with us as, as we remember her, her wonderful, wonderful life and and her brokenness and in her holiness. I mean, she really was a holy woman. She prayer was one of her gifts Mm -hmm. and, you know, probably the most defining moment, toward the end of her life with me is I had brought my kids over there and I, w- I wasn't over there a lot. I, you know, you don't go over every once in a while, but the last time I went over there, um, I just remembered, <laughs> thank, thank goodness, to have mom pray over the boys oh yeah she loved, loved. <laughs> oh man and, oh mom would you pray over the boys you know and so leo's seven vincent's uh four and nicholas is two so nicholas doesn't know he's walking or whatever but leo and vincent know how to pray right yeah. and so they go walking over to mom and they kind of bow down <laughs> you know and in, in front of her and she puts her hands on their head and and just starts praying over them and i'm thinking how beautiful is this right i I just that moment alone i can go to i can go to bed at night knowing that grandma and that my boys had that moment together they may never remember right i mean they're still pretty young but just to know that we had a holy mother that prayer was one of her great gifts as we (laughs) look at her but boy was she funny and boy was she broken and boy could she be rascally Holy smokes. Yeah. You know, you... And
3: and I think I think that rascalness, all of that stuff also I think it goes back to you taking seriously what your desire is when when the pop like yep. mom said, "Hey, what do you want?" and then you were and in front of mom, the more you grew in possessing yourself, the more you were able to love her. Right. And that like really took it out of you. You had to set boundaries. You had yep. to It's like, "Oh, wait. I remember in seminary when I was in the the cl- in the, my desk and somebody knocked on the door and they needed something that I had and it was on my dresser. And I just turned around. I was studying. I just turned around. and I said, it's on the dresser. And they wouldn't walk in my room and get it off the dresser. And I was like, this is really strange. I was like, it's on my dresser. And they were like, okay. And then, then they were like, would you get it for me? And I'm like, you're going to make me get up out of the chair. <laughs> like You could just reach in and get it. They did not grow up like us. They had boundaries. They right. like, you have a place that's yours and you don't intrude on people's places. He wasn't going to just walk into my room. Right. And I thought, oh my gosh. And so as the more I've grown, I'm like, oh wait, it would be okay if I set boundaries in my life. Yeah. I think that would be, you know? So there's like, right. and the more you did that with mom, the more I could love her. Right. Because right. in the otherwise it was like this dynamic. So in a way, like even... Those dynamics helped me possess myself yeah. more. I had to take responsibility. What is my desire? How has God created me? And in time, mom learned that I can't fulfill this deep need she has. Right. And I loved in the last few years of her life, talking to her about how only Jesus is going to fill that need for her. And she was even kind of surprised by that. Like, oh yeah. You know, right. she was seeing, I'm sort of, Earthbound. And, you know, it was really beautiful. And and one time, not too many years ago, she sort of had this awareness that maybe Christ is even more than what I thought he was. Monica Rutten is growing and At this stage of her life, this is amazing. I hope when I'm her age, I'm still open to not knowing everything and not being certain of who He is. I hope I never know the fullness of who God is until I'm in heaven. Because if I do, I actually have fooled myself.
1: She loved wonder and awe. She she loved like her excitement at something was still present. Whether oh, yeah. it was watching EWTN and she had to call you to tell you who's on and what's, you know, like she got, she was, exc- yeah. she had passion and excitement and wonder and all. And I did this and saw this and you just thought, wow, she is a zest yeah. for life. And and never food. went away and for food. She loved, food. <laughs> right. she right. loved right. the right. food network. It oh. was like oh, yeah. going into a
3: room 50% of the time mm. you were going to get EWTN and 50% of the time you're going to get the food network. Yep. And I have never seen so many awesome treats and meals and yep. shopping right.
1: sprees. <laughs> Leo. So Leo and Vincent, uh, when we pray with them at, at night, Uh, We, you know, grandma's passed and uh, you know, what, what do you love about grandma and something like that when we're praying and (laughs) I still can't get Leo to say anything other than treats. (laughs) <laughs> it's like gosh she had their number right oh, she knew yeah. how to get and she was roping us in is what she was doing like i can get those grandkids over here from treats i can get that boy of mine over your joe i haven't seen yep. him in a while you know i'm like she manipulated me and she oh, you know in you know, her brokenness right she was a great manipulator but you know this is people this is who she was i loved her authenticity she just was what she was she who any uh uh, little. Key. I know a lot of us out there listening, we probably have you know our own loved ones that have passed, but do you got a keepsake or a picture? What's something that you have that you're like, boy, I'm really glad I have that? Or what's what's a memorial that you have that you sm- just brings her to you, brings her present?
3: When dad was dying, after dad died, immediately after he died, she gathered all of the kids into the living room and she began to read uh, The Velveteen Rabbit, which was a book he she had given to him almost 20 years earlier. It's a book, almost 30 years old. And, uh, somehow I ended up with it. Um, cause and, we didn't uh, have to cast lots for that. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have to cast lots. Uh, and when she was dying, uh, my friend Lucas was able to pick it up from the rectory and bring it over. And I was so grateful to read her words. I had never read her words mm. on the inside of it. Oh. talking about dad and, Um, so I read those to her and it was super beautiful and I just am grateful. I still have not read the book again since she passed away, but I keep reading her words Mm. right? right. uh, and just thinking like, you know, those words were written 30 years ago, right? 30 years ago. And like they had 30 more years after that was written.
1: Um, and it's a book about being real. Right. And they had real peaks and valleys and it wasn't always Mm. pretty and even after the words were written, it's they had a beautiful relationship, a beautiful marriage, but by that we don't mean perfect. And we don't mean like always great and top of the mountain. Like they lived broken lives even in their marriage. But yet from that, I always think that like the crucible, that the crucible can be a place of purification or it can be a place that turns us to ash, right? That it can, we can, be, become it just can wipe us out or it can purify us and i just saw in their lives that their suffering and the the weight of experience in life and reality purified them and and that has to only be because of the cross that that they both understood deeply the need for jesus christ as redeemer as savior as a source of mercy source of forgiveness about a minute left mm-hmm. so Let's go ahead and uh, wrap up uh, as this half hour of Rutten Radio as we gave a little tribute memorial to our mother, Monica, and her passing. Why don't we go ahead and finish with our family prayer together?
2: Our Father, Father we thank, we thank you, you for your love and for your many blessings, especially, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help, help us, us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us, make us understanding and patient with one another quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us, and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care, preserve us from the corruption of the modern world, and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and
1: Joseph, help Help us us to be a holy family. family. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening.
0: You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month. Rotten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network.
5: Hey everyone, this is Emily Leedham.
0: and I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald.
5: Some of your hosts here at Real Presence Live.
7: May the Lord bless and keep you this Advent season. My name is Brad List. I'm the father of Nathan List. He started at Mount Marty in 2016. This is a gem underneath their nose that most kids in Yankton don't even realize is there. They don't understand what Mount Marty offers as a school. They offer as helping plan for your future. Example, they're helping Nathan with internships. They're you know, looking at what kind of jobs can you get. It's good to be close to home. You don't have to come home, but you know it's always there.
3: Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College.
5: Honor your Father by word and deed, that a blessing from Him may come upon you. Sirach 3-8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. My name is Carol Oren, and I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My daughter, Tara, is attending Mount Marty College. The thing that I really love is that, whether you're in sports or not, it's like a family. Everyone cares for every sport, for every athlete, for every student. They also do fun activities. The community as a whole in Yankton, as far as giving discounts to the students, really making them feel welcome and makes them feel a part of their community.
0: Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. This
1: is Father Tim Smith and Chris Euler. And we're some of your hosts from Real Presence Live. And we are praying that you have an amazing Advent as we await the coming of the King Jesus.
3: Amen. May the Lord bless you and your time of anticipation and fill you with so much joy as their King is born.